Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a good week. And to those who observed Yom Kippur, Gemar Chatima Tova. On Yom Kippur, we spend time asking for forgiveness. Um, it's the Day of Atonement, where we atone for our sins throughout the last year. And then at the end of that day, the slate is said to be wiped clean, and you start anew. And one of the things that you're supposed to be doing in the lead up to Yom Kippur, but you can do it year round, is the act of tshuva, where you ask for forgiveness for people from people for whom you have wronged, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And the Hebrew word for tshuva means returning, although we often view it as repentance. And in Jewish thinking, there are three actions someone must take to repent. One is they must confess to what they did. Two is they need to express regret about what they did. And three, they need to vow not to repeat it again. And if this is um, something that was done to harm another person, there is thinking that it cannot be truly made right until the wrong has been righted. So restitution paid or repairing what you broke, things like that. And I've been thinking about this, of course, in the context of housewives and the types of apologies we get on housewives. And it's interesting to think through just the acknowledgement, the confession of what someone did, such as Kathy Hilton, I said very unkind things. And two, I am sorry that I said those things. I regret saying those things. I think what has been missing from a lot of these apologies is that I won't do that again. And I haven't heard that from Kathy or from Lisa Barlow, although I would assume that they think it's implied when they apologize and when they express regret that it means that they won't do it again or that they will try not to do it again. What's interesting to me is particularly Lisa Rinna wanting to hold on to the anger she has towards Kathy and not accept and not forgive. And at one point, she very dramatically says, if I have to hold on to this, then I'm going to get sick of cancer and die. Like, it'll eat me out from the inside. And she's being dramatic, but part of that, you know, is true. Holding on to anger is not helpful to anyone. And a huge part of forgiveness is letting that anger go. And she just seems like someone who honestly needs a little help, as she would say. <laughs> you know, she's called out Kathy for needing help. She seems like someone who just holds on to things for a really long time and doesn't have healthy coping mechanisms. And, you know, 
just like Lisa said about Kathy, I pray for her. (laughs) I hope she gets the help she needs. But anyways, I just think it's interesting to think through some of these housewives apologies. Some of them are half-assed and some of them truly seem genuine. But one thing you learn on Yom Kippur is why it is so important to practice tshuva, that it helps you get to a better place and you can start anew. It means returning, returning to where you were with someone. And obviously, there are things that are so awful that maybe forgiveness is is difficult or may take time. But if you were wronged, forgiveness is also, I think, a gift to yourself that you don't have to hold on to the negative energy and the negative thing that happened to you. So anyways, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I just wanted to share it. I find um, that if these women could learn, like, it's not just conflict resolution, but the true act of repentance, I think they could form much deeper and meaningful relationships with one another. And some of them, I think, have that. And that's what I enjoy watching much more than sort of a calculated, oh, I'm going to behave this way because I'll get more airtime and I'm going to align myself with this person. And it's almost like Housewives is a game rather than a show about a group of women. Well, speaking of Housewives being a bit of a game, I think how production tells the story can be what they choose to keep in and keep out, I find very interesting. And the more you find out of things that don't make it to air, the more I wonder how much we're really seeing and maybe if the picture that we are getting of these women and their friendships is slightly altered, if we're we're really not always getting the whole story. And many of you listened to the podcast I did about a month or so ago with uh, Alyssa Maz, who is a marriage and family therapist who specializes uh, in eating disorders. Well, it turned out that Crystal had contacted Alyssa back in, I don't know, a while ago when they were filming before Aspen. And as one of the many you know, therapist that she reached out to. And she asked Alyssa, would you film a scene with me where we have a therapy session? And Alyssa agreed. And they filmed that scene. And they, she signed all the releases and thought it was going to go to air up until it started airing. And they would have that black screen at the end saying, you know, if you were struggling with an eating disorder, here's where to reach out for help, but didn't include the, you know, very real story that Crystal was trying to tell. And I get to talk to Alyssa again today, and we can hear kind of from her, her perspective on all that happened. And then my other guest is Donnie Hadfeld-Smith. He is so funny. He podcasts for I Am the Cute One, a nostalgia podcast with Chelsea. Oh, no, Chels. It is hilarious and amazing, and you all need to check it out. And Donnie and I go through this week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and the Beverly Hills finale. As always, if you guys enjoy the podcast, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. You can reach out to me on social media at 
Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. I am going away for a work trip and then a wedding. So next week's episode is pre-recorded, but it is really good. So I know you guys are going to like it. I keep trying to give out content even when I'm busy, even when I'm traveling. So I hope you all appreciate that. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Alyssa, followed by my chat with Donnie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Before we get into what was going on in this week on Bravo, I'm bringing back Alyssa Mass, the therapist who came on a few weeks ago to talk about eating disorders and disordered eating. And we had what I thought was a really important conversation where I really learned a lot. And I know many of you did as well because you wrote me about it. Um, since that podcast has come out, um, Alyssa, some things have uh, kind of, there were some things that she was withholding from us. And I invited her to come back on the podcast to share what she didn't share last time. So welcome back to the podcast, Alyssa. Hi, Mandy. Good to see you again. Good, <laughs> Good to talk to, to you see again. You. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Can you walk us through what you left out last time? Yeah. So what I left out last time, because we were still in the season of the show and I wanted to give it a chance, um, was that I had actually filmed an episode of Housewives um, with Crystal and filmed a session with her uh, for this season. When Crystal was saying, when the women were kind of like, you need help, you need help. And she was like, I spoke on the phone with therapists for hours. Was that you? Was she talking to many different people? Um, my understanding was that there was a few people. Okay. Um, of which I was one of. And she felt comfortable enough with you that she asked if you would film a scene with her where yes. she's talking to you about her experience with bulimia. Yeah. I mean, I think she was sort of, you know, deciding, you know, do I want to kind of work with someone on this very specifically? Mm -hmm. uh, and so she reached out to me for that and we spoke about it. And then she asked me if I would come up and film the session with her. So we filmed it at her house. Okay. What was that like? Um, I, I mean, first of all, I don't typically work in people's homes. So I think that part of it was, was, um, different. Um, and I've also been doing telehealth since COVID. So it was very nice to see someone in person again. Um, it was very low key. It was very low key. It was still COVID. I had to be tested to go up there. So I don't know if they still had like a very skeleton crew. Um, but I drove up, they mic'd me, we met on camera and then we went into her living room area and just started chatting. It was about an hour, just like a typical session would be. 
And then we said our goodbyes. Was there anything that you didn't ask because it was being filmed that maybe you would have if it was a private session? Yes. Okay. There were some things that I knew she didn't want necessarily disclosed. So I was careful to not kind of ask questions in certain directions Mm -hmm. um, and really just tried to keep it in like one arena, if that makes sense. Yeah. And when did you figure out that those scenes were cut from from the final? Um, I was pretty sure that they were cut as the storyline was progressing. I just had a funny feeling about it because um, it seemed like it was getting smaller. Like at that dinner, it's like she says one sentence about it, but it felt like it was dissipating mm-hmm. um, the conversation around it. And then... I filmed with her right before they went to Aspen. So once they went to Aspen, I assumed it had been cut. Um, and I contacted production at that point and asked them. And, and they said, yeah. They, they told you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had contacted them beforehand because I was curious if they could give me a heads up just like what episode it would be. And then no one ever got back to me, uh, which is totally fine. <laughs> um, but yeah. So they, and they, they didn't really give me a clear answer. They were like, well, we think it was cut. And I don't even know who if the person I was contacting knew. Interesting. The final cuts. So, and I was in conversation with people who were involved in filming. I don't know if that's the same department. It was just I had. So, and I was just kind of like, "Hey, can you tell me? If not, I totally understand." But just wondering. And I Uh, believe one of the processes is, is that the production company puts together each episode, but that it is sent to the network for notes and potential changes. And that, that for my guessing, it's the network that actually made the change. We're going to spend more time talking about Kathy and less time on Crystal's personal storyline. And my personal view is that I think some higher ups of the network we're thinking, we just did this on Jersey. We just filmed a therapy session on Jersey where Jackie Goldschneider pours her heart out to a therapist that specializes in eating disorders. And we kind of check that box. And how is this any different? Right? Plus, making Wayne, you know, what is going to be more entertaining to the audience, this very intense personal story, or what did Kathy Hilton say or do or not say or do, right? Um, what do you think of that? Um, I think that's probably not far, you know, sounds plausible, certainly. I think um, if they were going to open up the storyline with Crystal, that it's really unfortunate she didn't get to sort of have her say in that, because I think what you see on the show is these other women commenting on it. You see, you know, I think last season she mentions that this was kind of a thing, but it's not really talked about. And then this season we see she posts something and the women kind of come at her over it, as we discussed, in not a particularly supportive way. Um, and then it got dropped. And I think that was just really unfortunate because um, I think what viewers missed was so much of Crystal's strength in that, 
in her willingness. And I think instead it was told through other people, right? It was kind of what we think of with, with mental health stuff, right? Oh, I put it out there. Everyone ridiculed me. Now it goes away. Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't have to have been that. And I think they really miss, I don't watch Jersey, so I can't speak to that. I think that they missed an opportunity to see someone experiencing thinking about treatment, thinking about, do I want to do this? Do I not? Seeing someone who is highly functional in their life, which is very common in eating disorders, um, and yet still struggling with this. And I think you see some of Crystal's strength in later episodes, I think in Aspen, when she speaks back to like Erica and, and these moments like that. But um, but yeah, I think if they were going to open it up, like Crystal didn't drop it, right? Like right. these women all came at her. And so they, they just sort of, I don't know, like erased it essentially, right? They just brushed it under the rug. Um, and I think that's often what gets done with eating disorders. Yeah. I know that there's lots of stuff that is filmed and that doesn't make it to the final cut, but something to me feels different of when one of the individuals on the show reveals something like super personal, like Emily and the OC talked about how she miscarried twins and they showed her with this box that she hadn't gone through since the day that she left the hospital that had like their footprints in ink and, Mm -hmm. you know, things from that miscarriage and that pregnancy. And if they would have filmed that and cut that, I can't imagine what that would make her feel like because she was opening it up the box on camera for the first time. So, and I think that's the piece here, right? It's like here, Crystal did open it up and she opens it up after these women like push her. They make all these ridiculous comments about it to her. And then it went away. And that wasn't actually reflective of what happened as they were filming the show was this came up and she did call therapists and she did say, okay, I'm going to, you know, try and deal with this. And it just, you know, they, they sort of dropped it. And it, it felt very, I will say, you know, I think obviously these are shows and it's entertainment on one level. They also at times feel very like a microcosm of what goes on in our society. And so I think it felt so like, oh God, here we go. This is just like everything, right? Like we're going to blow it up into a big issue. There's going to be a lot of shock value around it. Then we're just going to forget about it and move on to the next thing. Um, And so, you know, that felt very much I think how the show handled it, which is just unfortunate. And I think it, I think it did such a disservice to Crystal. Yeah. uh, To not have that opportunity, you know, to really like follow the end of the sentence, you know, put the period at the end of the sentence. Like here, I did this. I went there. I, I pushed myself to do this, put my, continue to put myself in a vulnerable position, continue to put myself out there. And um, yeah. So and, you know, I feel like they've been doing this to Crystal more than some of the other women. She I do agree with you. She has a very thriving coconut water business mm-hmm. that has never been discussed on the show. And people just think, oh, she's known for being married to a Hollywood director, not for how successful she is in business in her own right. Mm-hmm. And she's also a socialite. 
in that she throws charity balls and galas and she's very, very good at it. Um, mm-hmm. So much so that people ask her to throw things. And before COVID, she was throwing massive parties like seven out of, you know, like six out of seven days a week or something ridiculous like that. Because of COVID, we haven't gotten to see all of that. But I feel like we're missing a lot of Crystal's story. So I agree with you. And I think they cut it out. I think this was a lot of her story and like showing her persona, her voice, letting her sort of like claim some space. And instead, these other women really co-opted it. And in terms of like production, that's kind of what they allowed. They allowed those women to co-opt it, I would say. Yeah. And be that voice rather than letting her do that, you know, letting her have that strong voice, letting her speak her story, um, which it feels like they did do, at least for Jackie, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that she had this opportunity to speak. The difference with Jackie is that she didn't share this with all of the women. So they didn't know until they watched the show back. Some that she was closer with knew, but most didn't know the details. And to watch it was very different than to, like, how could you watch someone be so vulnerable and open up and cry and then have something negative to say about it. Like all of the women. But that's because they showed the full story. Full then, story. Right? Exactly. Crystal didn't share it with these women. She shared it on Instagram. Right. And then they came in, layered all of their judgment and opinions on top of it. And then that was it. That was the end of the story, basically. But she didn't go to them and say that. She then, you know, she sits with with some of them encounters like, oh, wait, they were gossiping about this or they were talking about me or you know, things like that. But she didn't really willingly enter into any conversation with them about it. I think that th- the story kind of got away from production this season in general, in that one of the most, you know, talked about pieces wasn't caught on camera. And so they're probably spending the majority of their time piecing together a story, wondering how do we tell the story without footage of said story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of messed up. They were so focused on that. Plus, I believe that Kathy was taking legal action, right? Like sending letters to the network, having her lawyers call, and they're probably, you know, combing through every piece of footage, everything that's said to make sure that they're not sued, you know? And that probably takes a lot of effort. And I feel like that took away from a lot of the personal storylines that were happening, especially Crystal's. It's interesting, though, I think, because they here they bring Crystal in as this new cast member. Um, And then I I feel like when when things kind of went one way or the other, right, like they could follow Crystal or they could follow this whole Kathy thing, which was really like a Lisa Rinna story in many ways, right? Like sort of continuing this whole thing. And in terms of the development of the show, it's interesting to me because we didn't get to know Crystal the way we could have. Right. Um, instead, we just sort of left her there. She's like in the background in a lot of scenes, a couple words here or there, like a couple strong statements, but that's really it. But the show really was the Lisa, Kathy, Kyle show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, just in terms of like, who are we following? Who are the cast members that are like keeping the show going? Um yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
I mean, they also sort of dropped the Dorit storyline of the break-in and the trauma that she experienced. They had that for the first few episodes, and then they kind of touched on it in Aspen because I don't think, you know, she felt safe staying in Kyle's house. And she has issues staying overnight places and not feeling safe. So going to the hotel was kind of her way of in the middle of the night, you know, panicking and whatever. So they kind of had to explain why she wasn't at Kyle's house anymore. Well, but, I'm part of me wonders yeah. with things, like, capturing someone's trauma on television, right? Like, I mean, they did the the session in the beginning, but these are long-term mm-hmm. pieces that people are dealing with. And seeing, I, I mean, I, from a practitioner standpoint, I loved that they showed that because they showed like these things don't go away overnight. You don't go to one session and it's gone, right? It comes up and here Dorit is struggling with this, feeling this, expressing that you see it. Um, You know, I don't know from a production value entertainment standpoint that that is what they're looking for, you know, but what is like the real experience of someone going, which was why I loved that they were going to show it with Crystal because the real experience of somebody going into therapy, meeting someone for the first time, finding a therapist, meeting them that first session, which is so scary for so many people. Um, You know, what does that look like? What does that sound like for someone who like was maybe on the fence about getting treatment was maybe a little bit pushed into it because there's a whole like production around her now saying, well, how come you're not dealing with this? Right. What's interesting to me just about the background of this is that Crystal found you and then asked you to be on camera. I had always assumed that production was going around vetting therapists and trying to find some to go on camera rather than the individual on the it was, show. That was just as surprising to me, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think it may be different depending on the show because I do have a colleague who was on Vanderpump Rules and I know that production contacted her. Okay. Um, so so it may that depend happens. on the on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know how they're how they're going about it. Yeah. Um, this whole thing is so fascinating to me because like you and I had this in-depth conversation. I reached out to you. I said, you know, I'm really wanted to talk about this in depth. And the whole time you had well, been talking to me when I got the emails, I was like, I really want to talk about this. I just That's won't talk so about this funny. one piece of it because the show's still airing. And, you know, I wanted to wait for the show to air before I said anything about it, obviously. Um, and I think we were like sort of just approaching that storyline. Yeah. I, I think um, this just for me, shows that there's so much that happens that doesn't make it to to air and what that must feel like for these women that are on these shows and not just Beverly Hills, but all of the franchises, all of the seasons and how much they have to hold back from speaking about if it doesn't make the show, you don't really talk about it. And that must be a really frustrating thing, but also for the audience, how much we miss out and don't see. And so we shape our ideas and the narratives based on what we're shown, but we're shown just snippets. And whenever you like hear interviews with these Bravo liberties, and sometimes they'll say, you're only seeing like a fraction 
of that conversation. That conversation was two hours long and they used 30 seconds of it, you know, and they made it look this particular way, but that's not actually how it felt being in the situation, you know? And so I, I feel like one of the things I'm going to take away from this other than, you know, how uh, disappointing it is that this wasn't shown is how much we don't see but yet how our opinions are formed and shaped without all the information and to always kind of really well said keep that in in our heads when we watch yeah I, I mean I think it's really well said I think that you know in this case you had someone who has this really big life and a lot going on but the truth was everything about like our interaction was very authentic to what an experience of therapy would be right she called me I mean it's how every I have a private practice. That's how it works, right? Someone calls you. They say, this is going on. I'm interested. You speak to them. You set up a time to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of missing all of that. Um, I think we missed so, so many nuances to Crystal in that. And I think for me watching was like, oh my God, why aren't you showing so much more of her? Because I felt like they showed her in the beginning as this, like, I'm, I'm like really struggling with this and there's some tears around it. And it's like this really uncomfortable conversation. And then you missed the whole, like what that should have built up to was this really beautiful session of talking about it, of kind of like discovering some of her inner strength in that, that I think we see in other ways. But that was the piece for me just as a practitioner that I want people to see who are struggling with this, right? But that there is a process to this. Um, And... And I think just like you said, right, like we see these snippets and we, that's all we're given to base our impression on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the snippet of Crystal, I think, was that she wasn't necessarily seeking help or she was, you know, thinking about it. Um, and that wasn't really accurate. So. Wow. Um, I'm just in shock still. <laughs> so last time you shared a bit about what people listening can do, um, especially if they're experiencing disordered eating and mm-hmm. haven't really taken action. Could you just walk through, as we wrap up, some steps people can take, some sort of first steps if someone is like, oh, I realize I have these behaviors and they're not healthy and I, I know I want to make a change, I think, but I don't even know where to start. I think that's a great question. I think the first step is finding someone who you're comfortable with. I always say that's that's the biggest piece of it. Um, I think with eating disorders, finding someone who does work in eating disorders is really important. It's really specific um, or can be very specific. So I think that's part of where you see with Crystal where she says like, but I've been in therapy, um, right? But it didn't necessarily get talked about. Um, and so finding someone who does work in that, um, and I did like that they said, Crystal called different people, right? She had conversations with people, ask someone questions about their background, about their experience and think about how you're feeling on the phone with them. Is this someone that you want to talk to? Do they approach this in a way that feels like you can understand it? Like you can get on board with that. Like you can trust them. Um, and then I think it's, I think with eating disorders, there's a lot of needing to go at your own pace. Um, and yes, 
it's important to like push people, but it's also really important to like trust who you're with that they're kind of pushing you at the right time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I think with EDs, you're talking about someone's like coping mechanisms and how they, how they have learned to like handle things in life. And so we sort of like, you can't take all that away at once. Um, and you want someone who understands that and who can, who can walk that path with you. Um, and like I said to you last time, like everyone's version is a little bit different than others. And so you want someone who can think through it with you, who can kind of join you in that, go at your pace, support you. Um, so that would be the first thing I would say is, is just finding someone who you trust, who you can talk to, um, and who actually knows the world of EDs. Mm-hmm. And this goes for people who maybe don't have a clinically diagnosable eating disorder, but have elements of disordered eating. 100 million percent, okay. yes. And that <laughs> is, I think, part of what frustrated me so much about them not showing that because that like not clinical eating disorder is like 95% of my private practice is not clinical. Right. So like, I, I mean, I think what gets reported is very different than what's out there. Um, but I wish that they would have shown more of like what it's like to really live with this because they, there are so many people out there who this is just a part of their life. This is what they've done either for this many years. This is what they do. They don't know how to get rid of it. They don't know how to make it stop. They don't know how to make it better. That doesn't mean that they're going to go to inpatient treatment. Doesn't mean they would qualify for inpatient treatment, number one. Um, and number, which has to do more with insurance than anything. And number two, it doesn't mean that they have the bandwidth for that, right? Like you look at someone like Jackie who, you know, has kids and all this, she's not going to go to inpatient treatment. That doesn't mean that you can't get some support, you know, in your life to loosen some of what's going on. Yeah, Uh, I think that was what was I really took away from our conversation last time was that there are plenty of people who have disordered eating, but maybe don't meet the DSM criteria. And that's still worth treating, right? That's still worth getting support on. Yes. Okay. And I mean, I would say the same as to drug and alcohol, right? Like there's right. people who are functional alcoholics or functional drug addicts. We don't just say, guess you got to live that way. I don't know how to help you. That's it. Right. Um, for whatever reason, I mean, I think I said this last time too. Like I feel like drug and alcohol gets like much more accepted in our conversations than eating. Right. Disorder. If you say, of course, say, of course. I, I was I'm like, of course, sober, this is you know, right. Like this storyline is the one that gets brushed under the rug because eating disorders always gets brushed under the rug. Yet on a show that caters to mostly women watching it who probably can relate a lot to what Crystal's going through. Yeah. Probably have a lot of functional, you know, functional disordered eating within the viewership. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I wish that the subclinical piece would get spoken of more. Um, cause I think so much, uh, flies under the radar. That's for sure. Well, tell everyone where they can find you and where they can reach out to you if they are looking for someone or if maybe you know people in their state or in their region, you know, how, how can people get help? Um, my website is alyssamassmft.com and they can also reach out to me by email through that website. Um, that's probably the best way to reach me. And if you are in another state, I'm always happy to help people find, you know, find those resources and find 
find the right fit. I know in my, I think this is pretty standard, but in my practice, I always just do like an intro phone call with people first so they can get a sense of me, how I work. Again, is this a fit? And if it's not, then let's find you someone who is. Right. So, um, you know, don't, don't let that stand in your way. Um, there's all sorts of different therapists out there. So. And sliding scale and all of that. Sliding scale, insurance, not insurance, all of it, you know, but, but to find someone who does, you know, who you can work with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and like Crystal did, right. Interview them. It's okay to ask. I think for some reason people think they like can't ask a therapist questions, um, and I really try to encourage people to do that. I don't know if that's just like the idea of the therapist is like, oh, I got this number and someone sent me to them. So that's who I went to. But you have agency in this relationship also, and you should, and you should, you know, kind of do your due diligence on who this person is. And, and is this someone I want to, I want to sit down with once a week or so and, and get to know and have them get to know me. So. Totally. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Mandy. And we will talk soon. Okay, sounds good. Hi, everyone. I am here with Donnie Hadfield-Smith from the I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast that he does with Chelsea. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I need to congratulate you. You guys recently got 1,000 five-star reviews for this podcast. Crazy. It's crazy. It's so good. (laughs) And your dynamic is incredible. Thank you. We just did a live show this week on our Patreon, and we are just chaotic. And without a guest, we we went for an hour and 40 minutes because we were... (laughs) (laughs) Because with a guest, we're like, okay, we're... We're hijacking someone else's time. Let's get them out of here after an hour. But when it's just the two of us, we we do get carried away with each other's chaos. I love it. I love the <laughs> chaos. It's And it's also such fun chaos. It's like positive chaotic energy, which I'm all about. <laughs> and we do have a good time. Other podcasts know that. Uh, Real Housewives podcast that is coming back briefly. You said to recap the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion. That's correct. So everyone heard it here first. You are the first person I told. Um, Bravo watching became kind of a chore. Like it was just so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with like all the Bravo fan accounts and stuff, everyone takes it so seriously, and I understand it, but. It just became too much, so I just had to release myself from it for a little bit. Um, But then being away from it for so long, I was like, I really do miss those shows. And we never officially said goodbye on Know That. We just kind of disappeared and hid for a little bit. So we were like, let's come back for the Beverly Hills reunion, see what happens. We could be here for longer than that, but we will definitely be here for Beverly Hills reunion. Do you find it suspicious that... Bravo has not released a trailer for the reunion yet. Yes. And like, even the looks were late. I feel like normally they drop the looks almost immediately after they begin filming it or like after they wrap filming it, but they waited like a week before to drop the looks and no trailer. It's very bizarre. It is. I'm wondering if they're working with lawyers like right. Oh my God. Yeah. To the, Yeah. Because I, you know, I believe Kathy threatened legal action or took legal action. 
I'm sure others, yeah. once once one person gets involved, then I'm sure others mm-hmm. have lawyers involved too. And I'm sure the network has lawyers and maybe the production company has lawyers. <laughs> that makes so much sense. <laughs> lawyers make everything take longer. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> no shade to lawyers. It's just you guys take your time. I mean, you're very thorough and... <laughs> <laughs> so, Which if I was their client, I would appreciate the thoroughness. But as a viewer, let's speed it up a little bit. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know they're able to bill for every, you mm-hmm. know, 15-minute increment yeah. that they work on this. So they also have it in their interest, <laughs> these big <laughs> firms, to take their time. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. It's just I think think there's so much more under the surface happening with Beverly Mm -hmm. Hills than what we're seeing. I'm glad that they shared a lot of what we heard in the press. So we know it to be true. But Mm -hmm. was there anything about this week's finale episode that you found out that shocked you? Um, I think the Erica's team leaking it to the press was interesting, especially that like it was conversed about. I feel like normally things like that are still whispered about behind the scenes and never, especially within the Fox Force five, never like brought head to head. So for Kyle to flat out say like, I know it was your team that shocked me a little bit. Yeah, I also picked up that Dorit was whispering to Kyle, you should never have brought this up. Uh Because now we've got the Fox Force 4 breaking, right? Mm -hmm. Where you've got Kyle calling out Erica and Rinna. And my God, did Rinna come to Erica's defense so quickly? No, like, didn't even skip half a second. No, it was absolutely like, it was almost like they were coming for Rinna themselves like she heard Erica's name and just knew to jump into that role and I think that the two of them whether it's lies truths whatever they definitely collaborated on what their story would be so I think when Rinna saw Erica being the target of these we'll say attacks, but the target of these conversations I think Rinna just jumped in because she felt attacked just by proxy oh yeah she like sees them as one or something yeah oh so (laughs) wild and just the fact that they won't let it go you know and granted that is beverly hills mo like (laughs) they never let anything go things get dragged and dragged and dragged but what was so interesting to me was that erica was like oh really like you think this could take the heat off me like my story is so big everyone knows about it like Kathy Hilton and it's like you are not as famous as Kathy Hilton you're not no right when she said yeah when she compared themselves and I'm glad Kyle said it in her confessional because in what world do you think like the last names alone Hilton trumps (laughs) Girardi Girardi, always Did you think um, that Kyle was sort of finally standing up for her sister and her family? Or what do you make of Kyle's reaction to everything the last few episodes? She's doing it in a Kyle way. But I do (laughs) 
I do think she is aligning herself with Kathy without saying it. Like, I do... She's definitely against Erica and Rinna, but I feel like she is afraid to say that. Maybe they have information on her. Maybe she just doesn't want to lose numbers in, like, the alliance game. I don't know, but I do... Like, you can tell she is standing by Kathy. She's just not using those words. Do you think it will flip or change at the reunion? Mm. I I don't think so, because I think Kyle has always been so much about appearances, and, uh, like, I don't think it matters who she likes or who likes her, as long as everybody acts like they like her. Um... So I think with Farrah's wedding upcoming, I really don't think she wants to shake any family lines. Yeah. I mean, that was my first thought. And, you know, Lisa Rinna was like, you can't just brush this under the rug. And Garcelle's like, says who? Right. Like, she can choose if she doesn't want to address this head on. And I do wish that someone would have said that in more, like, specific words that... The difference here is that Kathy, she didn't do it to the group, but Kathy apologized. If you make Erica talk about her situation now, she will still, like, shit talk these victims. And that is the difference. Kathy said the words, I'm sorry for saying what I said, where Erica will still be defensive and say, like, who gives a fuck about the victims? So that is the difference here. Like, Erica, you... Even though you were not involved in the crime itself, you still have harsh feelings that, like, get everybody riled up, where Kathy took ownership. And Kathy having a meltdown doesn't impact other people, aside from those who were witness to the meltdown. Correct. the Erica situation, I mean, her not returning those earrings may mean that down the line, credits aren't paid victims aren't paid you know it does Mm -hmm. impact a whole entire group of people completely separate from this show absolutely oh my gosh um (laughs) i feel like garcelle is being a good friend to kyle Mm -hmm. and i really want to see that friendship grow and kyle to move farther away from lisa renna what do you what do you think of that I agree 100%. And I think that Erica has found a way to play the villain role. I think she settled into it and she's fine being this, I'll say character, but I do think it's (laughs) close to who she is. But I think she's (laughs) fine being edited this way. Um, Whereas Rinna is so afraid to show her family life. She doesn't really bring... She comes with a guarded sense of who she is every season. And like she's like, this year I'll talk about my daughter's eating disorder. This year I'll talk about my mother passing. But it's never like, here I am on the table. So Rinna has been a problem for me for a long time just because I feel like she is quick to pull others into her mess and not allow us to see her mess. You know what I mean? So anything that gets anyone away from Rinna is top tier television for me so I would love Kyle to leave in an ideal world I would love like a Rinna takedown season like bring Kim back bring Denise back bring bring Camille back I do because I know a lot of people want Rinna 
to be fired after this season, um, which fine, but I would enjoy it more to watch a full takedown. Um, I have a like special episode coming up next week because I'm going to be out of town that I recorded ahead of time about sort of toxic social media culture. Mm. And um, my guest was talking about, and we were we were both kind of sharing that we believe that Lisa Renna has an addiction to social media mm-hmm. and like a compulsion, like she cannot stop herself. And I think she's so obsessed with sort of the social media madness that surrounds this show and she manipulates it and it's very different from for example Giselle on Potomac who creates a ton of mess on camera but then once the cameras go down you don't see her you know on Twitter fighting with people on Instagram like saying shady shit she waits for it to air and she talks about it on Watch What Happens Live and at the reunions and at like the appropriate points. That's I true. feel like what Lisa's doing is also what the network hates, which mm-hmm. is you're creating this entire separate storyline that's happening outside of the actual show. And most of the viewers of this show aren't paying attention to them on social media. Right. Most just tune in every week to watch a show that they like. Mm-hmm. And so now they like aren't caught up on everything, which makes the reunion more confusing and complicated. I agree. And there are people like, I think Candace does it well, where she's a mess on social media and on the show. So then the things she does on social media only like highlight this character she created on the show where they can bring it in and say like, well, Candace, you did this, this, this on the show. And you're also doing this on social media. Whereas Lisa, I feel like her whole plot is just the thing she does on social media. Right. We never see it on on the show. And right. what I don't understand is why is she so upset about the Kathy situation? Is it because she had to witness it? And if she's concerned about Kathy, which honestly I would be if I had mm-hmm. to witness that <clears throat> and it was someone's like complete personality change and a complete kind of screaming meltdown, I would probably be scared in the moment, but be really concerned after. Like, what was that? are you okay? Right. Um, I'm sure you didn't mean everything that you said. You clearly were in a rage. But instead, she's like, I'm not going to say that you need help, Kathy, but I think you should get some help. <laughs> like, what? no and no one takes kindly to being told that they probably no. need mental health help, right. right? Right. Especially when it's not coming from a place of love. Absolutely. And then this episode, too, when she, like, added that part about she could get cancer and die from holding these <laughs> yes! secrets Oh, in. my God. I almost <laughs> forgot. Oh, it would eat me. It would eat yeah. me. Well, go to therapy and share it with your therapist if it's not going to be helpful to share with all these women. Right. <laughs> like, what? She's so dramatic. She is. And she likes to make a victim of herself over and over again. They all do, though. That's yeah, like, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, Kyle is a victim, but mm-hmm. 
I also have started to change how I feel about Kyle or like what I've thought of her. I've always in the past kind of been like, she wasn't that great. I understand why her and Kim, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's really hard to be there for a family member who isn't sober. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, But with Kathy, I was like, I don't know. Like, it seems like she's not that great of a sister to Kathy. Now I see that... I really feel like she has been, they've all kind of abused each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like for Kathy to withhold her love and right. her children from Kyle mm-hmm. for any perceived slight, you know, and not being able to get over the Mauricio leaving, un- working under Rick Hilton and taking his clients and starting a new company. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to move on from these things. Yeah. And I think, and I know her daughters, Kathy's daughters, are old enough to have opinions of their own. But I think even the way that, like, Paris was passive-aggressively, like, liking tweets against Kyle this season, I think it shows that, like, she learned that behavior from her mother to withhold love and her attention uh yeah like like you said kathy does that and now i think paris and nikki are learning to do that as well yeah it's definitely and i feel for kathy in some of these situations but it's a really nasty thing and i'm sure they learned that from their mother you Mm -hmm. know and to just like stop speaking to someone Mm -hmm. because you're upset with them for years right years (laughs) <laughs> oh my god and it doesn't seem and then for Kathy to now say well Kyle you never pick up the phone when I call Kyle's like I'm traumatized by you and I never know what you're going to say and I'm kind yeah. of afraid to answer mm-hmm. and those are like both very valid feelings on both sides I think they just need to spend a lot of time in family therapy mm-hmm. like unpacking what went on in their childhood yeah and breaking the patterns i feel like kathy views kyle as always being the little sister Mm -hmm. and now that kyle is successful and her husband is successful there is a level of jealousy i think like that's my role not yours i agree and i think also kyle has shown to be not a micromanager, but like she's very much on top of Kathy to make sure that Kathy is always presenting herself the way that Kyle wants her to. And I think it's interesting that Kathy allows this to happen when it benefits her. Um, but then the times like when she made her or when she talked about the shoes she was wearing to the airport or like the outfit and all of that, I think Kathy picks and chooses when Kyle's behavior bothers her, which mm-hmm. is just an example of what you said that I think that Kathy is so all over the place that Kyle never knows what to expect. Yeah, I believe she's volatile. Yeah, because oh, yeah. how could you go from being this like, oh, what's hunky dory mm-hmm. and who is hunky, you know, all that, and then to completely screaming and rageful? Yes. I do feel, and I was trying to talk about this last week a bit. I'm trying to figure out how to articulate it, but maybe I'm being too judgmental, right? But people 
who go into these blind rages and mm-hmm. say such deep, hurtful things. One, I believe they have to believe some of the things that they're saying. Yeah. And two, I actually don't think this is a, and I hate to use the word normal, but like an appropriate response in mm-hmm. anger. Like it seems really unhealthy and scary to go into, and I, I count Lisa Barlow in this. Yes. It, am I crazy to think that like I just think this is not okay and it's not normal and they the way that they excuse it like I was mad and sometimes you get mad mm-hmm. well we all get mad but that level don't equate it I agree and I think the difference with like <laughs> quote normal people and Lisa <laughs> and Kathy is that these women are so protective of their image whereas like if I have a bad day or if you have a bad day we can come into work and like not curse people out, but, like, people say, oh, stay away from Donnie today. He's upset. Um, whereas, like, Kathy and Lisa still present themselves the best. So when they're doing that every single day, when they snap, there has been no release. Uh, I see. And that's not acceptable. But I think, right. I do think that explains it a little better. You're right. They <laughs> are better, so better. protective. Like Kathy curated an image for this show. Yes. Which I believe is part of her personality. Mm-hmm. I believe 100% that she is quirky and funny and goofy, but she's like, I'm going to only show that side of yes. me. And I think Lisa Barlow is so controlling in what sh- she shows the audience, mm-hmm. what she has the audience see of her children and her husband. Yes. And whenever the narrative gets away from her, she can't, she can't help. Like she goes nuts. Absolutely. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Speaking of Lisa Barlow, should we chat about Salt Lake? Yes, please. First, any final thoughts on this finale episode? I, I'm i excited for the reunion. The fact that they didn't take a cast photo at the reunion makes me excited that the cracks <laughs> in the Fox Force 4 are, like, solidifying. Uh, so I think, I know the season got a lot of hate, and I know that some parts were dark and hard to watch, but I do, overall, like, I enjoyed the season a lot. <laughs> I did, too. Yeah. I was very entertained. One thing that I also thought was interesting, though, when this was being filmed was around mid, early mid-February, mm-hmm. and Kyle was like, well, Kathy's out of town. Kathy was at Mar-a-Lago for <gasps> a Super Bowl party. Oh, my God. So not only did she not attend the finale taping, which I'm sure she was just pissed and was like, I'm yeah. not going to do this, um, she was at Mar-a-Lago. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and that's track. something that Lisa Rinna was sharing, but I was able to piece it together looking at Kathy's yeah. social media too. But Lisa, I think, is trying to like link her to Donald Trump and yeah. get the audience to hate her in that way. And it's like, okay, maybe some of the audience isn't going to like her, but it's not going to make us like you more, Lisa. Right. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't. She keeps like thinking the audience is going to behave a certain way when she releases certain information mm-hmm. and it never goes her way. Like she no. thought exposing Denise as a liar was going to 
I don't know, like change public perception of Denise Richards. Instead, right. people were like, you're trying to out her. You, what does this have to do with you or anyone else? Like, this is, literally has nothing to do with you. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's, she's, bleh. um, Salt Lake City. Do you feel like they just jumped in head first deep end or is it just me? No, I do. And I think they knew that the absence of Mary would be something that we all felt. Um, And it is something I all felt. But I also know that all five of these women are, like, coming to work. They are. Do you think because at this point they thought Jen's trial was in March, it was postponed to July, but do you mm-hmm. think they're like, well, we got to get a bunch out because we don't know how long filming is going to happen? Pa- that makes sense. I don't know. I, I'm i going through these individual storylines and <laughs> it, it feels like we're missing something that happened over the two months that they weren't filming. Like everything seems different. And it's like, how much can change in two months? But I feel like everything yeah, that's that's true. Because next week is the Heather and Whitney fight. And they showed that in the preview, but I didn't know that was going to be an episode three thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how did this happen so quickly? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> of all the women, who do you think is the most, like, putting it on for the show and least, mm. as a result, least authentic? Whitney um I think she's trying to be the Ashley Darby of Salt Lake City where she's like the bone collector and the pot stirrer and the one who's like personal stories are so like where her personal stories could be a show in itself she doesn't really need the other women uh but Ashley Darby (laughs) for better or for worse has Michael there as well. So it's like a a, a two-parter where Whitney, it just seems like a fan did her homework and is trying to replicate this behavior that she's seen in Housewives that she likes. Because even... And the source material was like very sad. I feel for her. I'm empathetic. But even Whitney's scene where she said her stepbrother went to therapy and discovered that she had been abused when she was a child, like that didn't even feel real to me. Yeah. The whole thing seems odd. I I very much believe that she could have been abused as a child, like yes. 100%. How it's yeah. coming out on the show is what feels inauthentic, mm-hmm. if yes. that makes sense. Like, I and, very much yeah. believe that things happened to her. And I actually, right. when I, like, when she was saying that, she, you know, people hurt her and whatever, mm-hmm. um, not whatever, but, I, I, you know, we she didn't go <laughs> yeah, into yeah, detail, yeah. but that bathrooms were involved. Mm-hmm. Something clicked in me and I was thinking back to how she was introduced on the show with like the stripper pole and being very sexual. And I'm like, oh, maybe she's trying Mm. to like reclaim her sexuality and do everything on her own terms. That very much like I was like, oh, 
I see something there. Absolutely. And I want to clarify, yeah. I don't think she's lying about what happened to her or even necessarily the situation with the stepbrother. But I think because they are making a TV show, mm-hmm. maybe she did. Maybe she knew. Maybe the stepbrother went through this process like five months ago. It just didn't feel yeah, like it didn't feel like it happened in that. Just found out. Yes. Yet. Yes. And then the scene where she's telling her husband, Justin, like mm-hmm. he's not as good of an actor, so he's just like not as how I think he would be if it was the first time yes. he was hearing it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, he just had his head down the whole time. And I think to the audience that maybe <laughs> isn't smart, I think that could look like, you know, he was just processing and taking it in and being empathetic. But to me, it just looked like he doesn't know how to improv as well as Whitney does. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It just felt like I'm going to hold on to this story and and share mm-hmm. it at a certain time. And the time yes. just feels inauthentic. And then when they were all around the dinner table in Arizona and it was like Jen was talking Merit, you know, they were going like in depth with other people's kind of traumas and stories. And then she mm-hmm. starts crying and it's not yeah. about what's being said about the other women. And then she goes immediately mm-hmm. into her own thing. It just felt yeah. weird to me. I agree with you 100%. yeah it was just like I really I also um, hope that she's able to actually share what happened and Mm -hmm. who hurt her like she doesn't have to give a name but is it a relative like like just to I don't know shine a little bit more light on like Mm -hmm. sexual like child sexual abuse and you know I think she's probably sharing this because she thinks it's helpful too yeah and yeah, I just think being more like open about exactly what it is. And I think so many people who were abused as children do block it out, like com- mm-hmm. some completely. And then yeah. something will happen in their adulthood that will trigger a memory or something. And it's like the mind is amazing in that it can totally make you forget things mm-hmm. during really traumatic periods. Yeah. I do think like Justin is not on payroll. So I do think that <laughs> yeah. she will bring this out with someone else that is. Like maybe she'll sit down with Heather, maybe she'll sit down with whoever, Meredith, I don't know. But I do think this is not the end of it. For sure. Uh, when she said it, Heather was like, "You?" Yeah. But yeah. in a way that read that she was kind of not believing Whitney. To mm. me, th- that's how it sounded. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now she's thinking, oh, Whitney's not being authentic on camera. Either she's lying about it or it happened, but she's bringing it up now. Like, why now? You know? Yeah. I feel like Heather is actually the realist of all of them and that she doesn't change. Like, it appears on camera, off camera. Mm-hmm. As much as I can't stand how much she's standing by Jen Shaw, it, she's never wavered. That's true. And all the others, like all four of the other women change so much. Mm -hmm. Like Lisa Barlow completely (laughs) just like her off camera hot mic moment 
yeah. was like, this is inside you? That's absolutely nuts. You act like a completely different person on camera. And I think that's why, to bring it back to Kathy really quick, the similarities between her and Lisa, like, showcasing... Or almost like focusing on, like Lisa gave herself a catchphrase with I love that. And I think when these women know that they can give production something that is like edited into a funny little package, I think they, I think they think that then producers don't have to dig into what's really underneath that. Yeah. And people find it funny, right? Yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. I find it funny. It's, yeah. you know, the image of, Lisa, you know, roller skating, holding like, you know, an ice cream cone is very right. camp and it's yeah. cu- it's funny and it's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the whole conversation that she had with her oldest son about college while they were shooting hoops? <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think it is very, it paints a picture of the generations they're both in. Like when he said college is just where they build machines, I understood what he meant immediately. I think the Wait, whole can you explain system- to me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. I just think like schooling in general obviously is very important. I'm not saying don't go to school, but I do think, and I've heard before, especially from Gen Z, that like it is wake up, go to class this time. This is when you're allowed to eat. This is, you get 20 minutes and not college, but like elementary, middle, high school. This is when you can go outside for 20 minutes before you go back to class for four hours. Like we instill in children through young adulthood in college, uh, like, oh, nine to five workday, basically. And I think continuing that past college now that he has a I mean continuing that past high school now that he has a choice he doesn't want to be in that machine anymore because to him he already has that company he already achieved the end goal like people go to college to own companies he already does so I understand absolutely why Lisa is saying but like you have the company because we went to college so I understand her point, but I also understood his point, too. Oh, interesting. I feel like I completely do not understand Gen Z. Like, <laughs> I, like, am bewildered by absolutely everything yeah. I see from that generation. And I'm like, wait, what? Because, <laughs> you know, I was like, is he talking about, like, becoming a machine, like, for capitalism? Like, is this, is he going down that route? <laughs> It did sound like that a little bit too. Right? Like where he's just like, this is just to like serve the man or whatever. But it is interesting that um, a lot of people who are products of wealth and who have things set up for them view themselves as having achieved it rather than being born into a situation. Mm -hmm. And that is really scary to me because – it's like, how do you prevent that? Like, if mm-hmm. I am really wealthy or and I have children, how do I prevent them from thinking that way? Like, making them realize mm-hmm. that you do need to work and there is value in doing things on your own rather than having things handed to you. And that's kind of what Marlo's issue was on yes, Atlanta yes. this year with her nephews. She felt they got too comfortable too quickly. 
So, and they weren't even born into it. They had like a year of it. So to have been born into it, I can't even imagine. <laughs> right. It, it, I don't know. It's, it's complicated. How, how do you raise children to have the values that, mm-hmm. that you want them to? But yeah. then is Lisa not also living her life by those values? Right. And so then he's, what I got from that scene was he doesn't like being on camera. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to film and he was mad and she just kept on like trying to get things out of him, which I think she would have if it was in a different scenario mm-hmm. where it was more of a natural conversation. For you know? sure. He absolutely didn't want to be on camera. Like <sighs> everything, his body language, even though they were playing basketball, everything said he did not want to be having this conversation on camera. I feel like she forces her kids and her husband to behave mm-hmm. a certain way and they always fall in line. And it was the first episode was of last week's episode where they kept on showing images of John, just like her husband following her places and doing whatever like she needed him to do, mm-hmm. which to me, like that's not a partnership. Right. That's like if you had an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you believe the rumors that she's had affairs? I I could see it, but it also, like, this is a woman, everyone that's talking about it are people that don't like her. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe that she gave favors? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I don't know if I believe it, but I, a part of me thinks, do what you have to do to have a successful business. <laughs> I, I believe she's done favors, maybe not sexual favors, yeah. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I bet she's, like, pulling strings to get Vita Tequila in certain bars and oh, certain sure. stores. And, yeah, yeah, it's, but Meredith went on Twitter last night. She's been very intense on Twitter Mm -hmm. and she said something about how like she only said favors not sexual favors and kind of Uh, made it seem like Whitney you know changed it into that but Meredith even that first episode Meredith was very and I think she's another one that knows how to portray herself a certain way so that she can say like look at the tapes I never said this I never said that I was disengaged that whole season (laughs) whatever Um, but in that first episode when she was talking to Jen she like said 80% of a sentence and then made Jen finish it to say she's having an affair so like this way when we go back and watch the tapes Meredith never said that and Meredith never said sexual favors but she does lead us with a trail of breadcrumbs to Whitney to pick up or for Jen to pick up. Totally. And I bet Whitney will, you know, probably regret sharing what she ends up sharing next week and then maybe blaming Meredith and Uh they probably will have a falling out. Mm -hmm. I could see that for sure. (laughs) Um, Jen Shaw. Oh, Jen Shaw. (laughs) What, what are your thoughts on how she's like, showing more of a vulnerable side this season as a housewife it's great i do think because then we see like the full gambit of jen shaw we saw her loud we saw her throwing drinks we saw her 
whatever, putting on a show, and now we see her vulnerable. But I also know that this is very clearly thought out for, like, she knows lawyers are watching. She knows whoever is watching. So I think this is... This is not just how she's portraying herself as a housewife, but how she is getting ready to portray herself in court, which would be fine if she didn't plead guilty in the end. <laughs> like, like <laughs> all of this leading up to that is what makes it crazy. But if we just look at the show and the scenes that she's giving us, I do like that. Yeah, it was interesting to hear her talk about missing things for her children yeah like the one that's in medical school will she be able to go to the white coat ceremony mm-hmm. will she be able to go to their you know yeah football games and so i feel like it's sinking in for her that she's mm-hmm. going to prison i think she knows that she's going to oh, prison yeah. you know rather than it be like this could happen like i think it's i think she knows deep down because she knows she's guilty uh-huh if and there's no other better proof of her being guilty with the fact that she used encrypted messaging <laughs> to do all of this. Right. You know, like she knew she didn't want other people to find those messages, so they mm-hmm. were encrypted. Like to me, that indicates proof of you know what you're doing is illegal mm-hmm. or immoral or wrong, you know? For sure. Do you believe the rumor or whatever it was that was said that Coach Shaw was on the witness stand or or there was something about him ahead of the trial that led her to be like, I'm not putting him through that. I plead guilty. Have you heard that? Oh, no. No, I didn't hear that. I heard that. And I, I don't believe it because isn't it isn't there something against like you can't put a spouse like spousal privilege or something like you can't have one spouse testify against another right god i need to ask lawyers this question (laughs) (laughs) but i thought you couldn't either oh yeah yeah i don't know it's it'll be really interesting to see how everyone reacts to it you know i know they want to be there for her but they seem to have kind of I think in order to be her friend, you have to forget that there are victims, right? And with Erica, all the other women are like, yeah, but the victims, but the victims. And with the Jen Shaw situation, maybe the victims aren't as, like, obvious. But there are Mm -hmm. very real victims. And they don't seem, like, these women don't seem to be talking about them. Right. And I, which was Erica's stuff first in terms of, yes, like what we saw on TV? Yeah. Because I wonder. Or we Erica's know that is Heather, first in real life because that happened in December 2020 when all the shit started okay. going down. And Jen Shah's stuff was like the end of March 2021. Okay, so then Whitney and Heather, we know, are Housewives fans. So I I almost wonder if they can, like, watch Beverly Hills to see, like, a how-to not do it. Like, if ah. we don't acknowledge the victims, <laughs> then, then none of us look bad. 
But even on like Watch What Happens Live and all of that, like it mm-hmm. just doesn't seem to be a focus. Whereas, and maybe it's because the documentary that was done on Jen Shah was not mm-hmm. as good as The Housewife and The Hustler. Like yeah. I didn't think it was as clear. They weren't able to no, like really tell a story. Um, I think mm-hmm. they just wanted to get something put to production as quickly as possible. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. And I also think the players in the Salt Lake cast are not as smart to keep bringing up. Like anyone against Jen Shah, I think they they don't really know what they're throwing at the wall. They just say like, you were arrested, you were arrested. Um, whereas on Beverly Hills, they know what is going to piss Erica off. And that is why they keep using Erica herself said it a couple weeks ago when Sutton was like, what triggers you? And Erica was like the V word. <laughs> so I think, I think the salt Lake women could easily talk about the victims, especially the ones like coming for Jen. I just think that they aren't smart enough to. <laughs> that, I mean, that could very much be true. I also like, wonder if Erica like the proof of what was going on with the Girardis was coming out in the press a lot of the discovery was shared in the LA Times and in-depth articles we kind of were able to see oh this check was written from a client Mm -hmm. account and used to purchase the diamond earrings like we were able to see that and with Jen's case it feels like the prosecutors were holding things pretty close to their chest because they were waiting for trial to be able to use the evidence against her. So I actually, now that she pled guilty, I don't even think we'll ever find out the extent of what she did. No, I agree with you. Um, And so now from a like legal standpoint, what is the next step? She just gets sentenced sentencing is november 28th okay right after thanksgiving Mm. and my understanding from the plea agreement is that she will likely be sentenced between 11 and 14 years oh my god okay what she did was really bad like really really bad and i feel Mm. like the audience, I don't know if there's like a disconnect. Kate Casey last week just thinks there's not as big of an audience. But people mm. are coming for Erica where yeah. she, up until this point, like did nothing illegal that that has been like a criminal charge, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And except for probably lying on her taxes, right? And taking right. money. Yeah. For, you know, so I mean, that's that's not good. But you know, Jen was charged criminally and she was the main person. It wasn't mm-hmm. Sharif. Do you think Coach Shaw knew? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> At first I was like, there's no way, but I think he's been playing a role. The yeah. whole, I think the two of them are the most manipulative people we have seen, mainly Jen, ever on our mm-hmm. screens on any Bravo show of any kind. They're big words, Mandy. Those are big words. I will stand behind it. I think she is so 
charismatic yeah. and manipulative and is able to get what she wants through using those tactics. I mean, she cheated all these old people, allegedly. No, she pled guilty. She cheated all these old people out of money. So you need charisma for that. You do. And to like so, set yeah. it up and get other people in your enterprise. Because uh-huh. she yes. was like the top of it. Yeah. It wasn't that she was defrauding. She convinced all these other people to do it. And she was running those right. floors. <laughs> I mean, oh, my right. God. Just such. So- so awful. And I know they all want to rally around her. And if I had a friend that was in a situation like that, I would want to support them too. But I would never be like, what you did was okay. Right. There's a way to support the person mm-hmm. and still know what they did is wrong. Right. And again, yeah, like not visit the her in jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Send money to her account. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Is there anything else on Salt Lake that you have in your notes or something that I didn't bring up? Let me check my notes. Um, I didn't like, and I just don't like when they do this on any franchise, um, but Mary is gone. So for them to go to this trip, and the first thing out of Whitney's mouth was that it reminds her of Mary's house. Sorry, you should have appreciated what you had when you had it. But Mary is gone. I don't want to hear you talk about her anymore. <laughs> fair. Fair. But that's my biggest thing. Um, all right. Did you like the healing ceremony? Um, the ceremony itself was fine. but And I know we are 17 years into Housewives. So we're going to see some of the same things over and over again. But this is the second shaman on Salt Lake City. Like, we don't need to repeat things so quickly yeah it did seem like they were all experiencing something very intense which sometimes i'm not sure whether to believe these types of things like if the shaman is real especially if they're willing to appear on camera like uh, yeah but this seemed very powerful and, and real for all of them absolutely and i do know that like it takes all kinds but when you said you don't know if the shaman's real, I, this seemed like a woman that would lead like a paint and step instead. Like she was <laughs> like <laughs> giggling and kikiing with them. And then suddenly they were just all crying. <laughs> yeah. That is so like, she definitely seems like a paint and sip lady. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so that. Okay. We are going to do a hard pivot because there is some news. We are recording this on Thursday that just came in today from Miss Mia Thornton of The Real Housewives of Potomac. She puts on Instagram, please pray for our family. Okay. I'm going to read this out loud and get your real honest reaction. Gordon's brothers, who he trusted to support and carry on the family legacy, has, well, should be have. Sorry, I <laughs> correct everyone's grammar. Have recently revoked his access to the company bank account while we were out of the country. I've since learned that my salary will no longer continue past this next payroll cycle due to my unwavering loyalty to Gordon. The thought that the person who Gordon selected to run our empire and who he thought would be the one to care for me and the kids has now manipulated the organizational structure and robbed us of everything we own. Gordon and I bought this company from 
built this company from the ground up, and we brought on family members since 2013. Never would we think that after a decade of building generational wealth and opportunities would end up being taken from us overnight. And then in all caps, if you can't trust family, who can you trust? My heart is completely empty. So she posts that. And then, you know, there's like a little notes section where she talks about basically she um, is fighting to regain her power and just wants to let everyone know that she loves seeing the fans in the offices, but she won't be running into you anymore. And she doesn't feel comfortable recommending you to visit. Um, as a reminder, she owns owns some franchises of a chiropractic business. Um and then she, someone who I think is a cousin or a relative says, but you won't tell the whole truth, though. <laughs> and then she responds, what's the whole truth? You know, your granddad and aunts and uncles would not own medical offices if it wasn't for Gordon. Let's start there. Secondly, what, what am I leaving out? I would love to know. And the cousin responds, what are you saying Gordon is the reason why my family has money. No, ma'am, you already know the truth, and I'm not about to go there with you. As Granny says, when the floodgates open, all will be revealed. <laughs> okay, sorry. it's just so dramatic. Everything it with Mia, dramatic. everything with Mia doesn't make sense to me. But I have to get like, what are your immediate thoughts upon hearing this? Well, first of all, well, we'll start from like chronologically backwards so right now i have the chills when you read the <laughs> when you read the like comment section I'm physically i have physically shaking <laughs> <laughs> i am this is crazy um the thing itself it seems like i do feel bad for her um but it also seems like steps were missed somehow like yeah. i for for the whole empire to be pulled from under her, I <laughs> something wasn't set up correctly. Sorry, Mia. <laughs> yeah, that's like not possible if you right. run something for someone to take it and close the account. <laughs> yeah. Right? Unless you were giving. Right. Yeah, the whole thing doesn't make sense. And then to say we've been robbed of all our wealth, like you've been making money since 2003. When mm -hmm. you took on these, you know, businesses, wouldn't that money be saved and also invested completely separately? Like, right. so you should have independent wealth aside from the company. Yes, this is, <laughs> I don't really know how to wrap my head around any of this because I do feel like there are plot holes here. <laughs> there are. There are just like with her cancer scare and it wasn't yes. cancer. And yeah. she was like talking about going to Johns Hopkins Medical Center to the oncology unit. And it's like you were getting biopsied to see if you had cancer. Yeah. You didn't already have cancer and were going for treatment. And while mm -hmm. getting biopsied is terrifying, yeah. it's not the same thing as being diagnosed with cancer and going through treatment. Right. And right. her social media person, that whole thing. Yeah, There's just she makes always no sense to me. There's something no. she's probably one of the shadier people we've ever had on, just because like what she says doesn't add up. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> I also think it's just kind of shady to own a bunch of chiropractic offices. I don't know why. Like franchised. Yeah, it's not something that should be franchised. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, I just think it's, I don't know, it kind of creeps me out. Like, <laughs> also, there are some chiropractors that really suck. Like, there are some well, that are probably incredible. in a franchise. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> There's some that are really incredible uh-huh. and, you know, do amazing work to to help people. But then there's others like the guy on who was married to Jenny on Salt Lake mm, mm-hmm. who like talk beyond their expertise yeah. and give advice that is just not medically sound. And are they yeah. filming right now? Potomac? No, they, they ended. Wrapped they wrapped oh. it. Weird. So like, why would you share all this? I don't know. I just, I don't understand her yeah. She's always sharing something very dramatic. I I wonder, not about this specifically, but just like in general, I wonder if she does that to ensure she gets a contract for the next season. That was my thinking. It's yeah. like, ooh, we want to follow this <laughs> this line of right. plot. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I can <laughs> see the women on Potomac like ripping her apart. I'm sorry. Like I I would love to see Candy Burris question uh, her yes. on how the businesses were set up, who was brought mm-hmm. in when, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be very, I would love that. It's what we need. It's what Ultimate we Ultimate Girls Trip. Not that I think Mia should be on an Ultimate Girls Trip, but if that's the conversation that would come out of it, I I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you excited for Ultimate Girls Trip 3? Um, yes and no. I think overall the cast is like the floppiest cast we've had yet. Um, but I am excited for Candace's presence. I just wish we had a stronger cast built around her. Yeah, I am excited to see the Miami ladies to see if they can actually really get into it because they've just been so separate from the rest of the franchises. But it'll be interesting to see Whitney and Heather because they're still not getting along. No, I know. But in pictures and stuff, like promoting Ultimate Girls Trip, it seemed like they're trying to, at least. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. If if Whitney thinks that, or sorry, if Heather thinks that Whitney is playing things up for the cameras and not being honest, mm-hmm. and if Whitney thinks the same about others on the cast, because she said sure. so on two T's in a pod or whatever the camera she said that some people completely change when the cameras turn off my guess would be meredith is who she Uh was talking about but you know maybe she's talking about heather too maybe wow maybe who knows who (laughs) knows well donnie tell everyone where they can find you you are so funny and joyful and i just love talking to you so i love talking to you thank you for (laughs) having me again yeah um if anyone wants to follow me they can follow me on instagram or tiktok at real donnie wood and they can listen to my nostalgia podcast i am the cute one a nostalgia podcast and that is wherever you get your podcasts Awesome. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Bye.